You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. coming to you on Wednesday. No, no, Monday. March 28th. How did you screw that up? I have no idea. Um, what's what's <laughs> funny is I'm looking at the goddamn date. I've got it up on my Mac in the corner. Monday, March 28th. And just some part of your brain went, no, that can't be right. No, it can't be right. We never record on Mondays. Wait a minute. Today was a weird day. So, <laughs> very weird day. I am plenty hopped up on pain meds. The fact that I gave you a day and not a fruit to me is a win. (laughs) Seriously. So there you go. There was not a ton of news last week, this week, uh, as except for today's tracer, butt scandal, but we're not even going to talk about that. But in the last week, we've played some pretty unique, fun indie games. And Joe and I spent a lot of time discussing Oxen free, which we both played. I also played through Firewatch and have a lot to say about that. A little later on, we're going to touch on some Nintendo news, more so rumors and whatnot, but with the next console, as much as I'm apprehensive about another console from them, some of what I'm hearing, if they are in fact reliable rumors, is pretty compelling let's start with oxen free though now this was a game that when i'd first heard about it and i let the guys know seemed to fit right into our wheelhouse in terms of a strong story that type of high school horror kind of supernatural story that can sometimes be a lot of fun and there were a lot of elements that look like they might provide interesting gameplay with certain choices and whatnot. Now, like Joe and I, we, we both played through it, like I'd said, and we talked about it. What's that? Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. The, the thing (laughs) we talked about it on aim quite a bit. And there was that point where I went, okay, stop, stop. I, I actually want to be surprised by some of what you say. And and likewise discuss some of my thoughts. So we, we stopped discussing it just so that we can, do so here while Vince naps <laughs> because he had a hard day. <laughs> so <laughs> before we get I'll into take you up on that off, <laughs> yeah, just mute your microphone, please. Um, the before we get started, though, just right out the gate, overall opinion of the game. I know that you thought highly enough of it to mention it on Twitter. What were your your overarching thoughts of the game? It is probably my favorite game that I've played so far this year. And I'm not saying that lightly. Uh, I love the way that the story progressed. I love the way that it was dynamic and how it reacted to 
they made good on their promise. Like it wasn't just about the choices you made or didn't make. It was also how you went about doing it. Did you sit in one place and give characters your attention? Did you walk away in the middle of a sentence? Did you kind of creep up and eavesdrop, which, you know, at one point, one of the characters yelled at me for eavesdropping. That was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, it, the animation was fantastic and it was really hard for me to believe that this was done in the unity engine. Uh, because the really? Unity engine's a, a, an engine that I don't really have a whole lot of love for. Are you kidding me? Yeah, We're because a lot of people amazing oh, from stuff. the indie from the indie from the indie standpoint, they tend to I don't know underutilize it. But the animations were fluid. The art style was fantastic. The audio engineering that they put into this game, and this is something I talk about a lot, is the audio engineering games. That's a big seller for me. Games like Doom that. Doom 3 were one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, it was, it was such a terrible game, but the audio was amazing. Or that game Echo on PS2 that nobody played but me was absolutely amazing. Here, all the little tiny things they put in there because it was that around that central focus of the radio and the frequencies and the transmissions was phenomenal. And there was a lot of little hidden things in there. And it hit every bit of nostalgia for me because I was a history major at one point. And there's a lot of cool little stuff in there that that kind of hit those little nostalgia bombs as well. It was just well done. Fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And I found that I was really engaged while I was playing it. And I wanted to, I didn't do it all in one sitting, obviously, but I did want to keep coming back to it to, to finish it. And... Over like six years of this podcast, people know that if a game just doesn't hold me much like a comic book for our comic book and for a podcast or whatever, I will just move on to something else because my Steam library, like most people, is hundreds of games that are untouched. So it it kept me occupied and I wanted to play it. However, I did actually have some critical thoughts as I was playing it, which means that it it did not hold me entirely. I was able to pick apart certain things that actually did irk me. So let's get into that before we get too much into the praise, because we'll be doing that as we go along, obviously. Because, again, it, it was one of those things that you can't help as you're playing it to not think about Life is Strange. Because it has that same kind of feel to it. It doesn't play the same. It doesn't. There's a lot of different things. But it's that teenagers in a supernatural setting kind of thing and sure. being together. And it, 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 it made me feel that way. I call it my eighties movie scenario. I, I don't think it fit that. I thought it would, but as I was playing, it didn't fit like that at all for me, at least because it, it felt far more in this time. It, it was not timeless. And so I couldn't put it in, in a, an eighties kind of setting, at least in my brain again. You mentioned, we'll start off with the, the obvious things, and we'll work our way to story eventually. We'll we'll start off with the graphics. First of all, I've seen Unity Engine do insane things. And I as I'm playing more and more games that are using it, I've got nothing but respect upon respect for it. So I was actually, that was a cool thing. That said, however, what the game tries to do is create this this suspense and this tension because of what is happening in the story and the location and, and just the, the, the insane amount of world building that we've got there. 
However, as gorgeous as the art style was, and it was justifiably gorgeous, I loved it. And as much as I liked the cartoon style that they employed for the characters, I didn't feel that it fit, though, with the story and the settings. So for what they're trying to do and the occasional jump scares, the occasional moments where you can feel they're trying to get the hair to go up on the back of your neck. However, because of the way the game looks, that doesn't work at all. We can look at a game like like Layers of Fear. Yes, completely different. I understand that, but that's not what I'm... I'm not talking about the type of game it is. I'm just talking about how it knows how to use different things uh, appropriately to elicit certain emotional responses. And here, because of the cartoony feel, a lot of moments that could have been justifiably very suspenseful simply were not there. And I'm not suggesting that it needed more realism in how it was presented, but a different style would have gone a long way and it could have been stylish in how it did it. It didn't have to be ultra realistic, but I feel that again, there were moments that I justifiably actually jumped and there were a couple of moments where I went, who got a little shiver there. And then I could see how they were trying to elicit more of that at different points, but the cartoon style simply didn't allow it. See, and and I think that uh, I don't know if that was the entire focus or what they were really going for was to make you creeped out. Uh, there were definitely points that wanted you to be creeped out, and I think they did fine with the lighting and, and, and the, the atmosphere and what they did at those points. But I think those were singular moments, and and I think that was kind of the idea is that this is more about discovery. This is more about you know the unraveling of a mystery than it is about being terrified, right? And, that, and that's why I call it like my eighties my eighties movie sort of scenario is because. Here's a bunch of teenagers who are battling these, you know, they don't even realize that they're evil forces until 50% through the game, 60% through the game, somewhere along that line. They don't even realize that it's, you know, there's some malintent there until way, way, way later. And it starts off as almost like a Scooby-Doo mystery. They're trying to figure out what's going on. What's the big secret of this island? And to me, that was fine with the art style because it wasn't about being completely creeped out all of the time. It was about you trying to figure out what was going on. Honestly, it's going to be something that we agree to disagree because it's subjective. It's very subjective. But the impression I got playing it is that it did want to make you feel that way throughout. And, and, and maybe that is also something on me where in, as I'm playing it, I'm thinking it would be, way better if it actually employed some of that. So again, I'll, I'll take some of the, that. So, myself. well, this is, this is another question too, that I want to ask you, because I noticed that there were some differences between the two gameplays I did. Did you get all of the anomalies? I don't think I got every single one. No, I How got a, get... a number of them. A lot of them. I think I was only missing one or two. Okay. Cause the, the game does distort. Like there was a lot of, there's a lot of things in the background that either flicker in and out or would appear not just like the foreground stuff. And one of the things that if the game would have these moments where reality and time would kind of blend together. Right. And you're talking about like a chair would show up where it's not supposed to or like the armoire from your, your childhood home or the soccer ball that you used to play with your brother and things like that. These little moments 
but as you found more anomalies, not only did those become more prevalent, the background shifted. And there are a lot of little things in each of the areas where, like, you could see more presence of the spirits and, like, the trees and the rocks and the walls. And there were all these real subtle, like, shifts of the natural environment. And I got 12 out of 12 of the anomalies. And every single time I got one, every time I unlocked one, I kept noticing more and more of these. And it started with uh, that first scene where you're playing with the soccer ball and it explodes or disappears or whatever the case is. And you have that the looks like that spirit on the background of the rock. And then I was like, you know what? That's really curious. And I started going back through some of the other areas and I started picking out all these little areas that were changing throughout it. Like I spent a lot of a lot of time in this game, if you can't tell. <laughs> but it was I, th- I thought it was a really cool, neat touch because they were very, very subtle, maybe a little too subtle. And I think that would be probably my only mark against it as far as that goes is I don't think it was heavy handed enough with that. I think they were way too light on it. And see, this is where even as you're saying this, I'm thinking, which is exactly what I was thinking as I was playing it, that those things as they were happening should have had more of an impact to creep us out as we're playing. So and that's something that I am I'm most definitely pulling from my recent layers of fear gameplay. Definitely, definitely, because what that game did so brilliantly is set this sense of unease when there's nothing bad that's actually happening. And so when I'm playing this and a chair appears out of nowhere or when you do go in and the armoire is there and the characters are saying they're freaked out and they're acting freaked out, but you, the player, is like, eh, whatever. You know, it's it's an armor. Sure. We get past it. Let's just zone into whatever channel we got to. Meanwhile, if there had been a lot more atmosphere to the game in terms of that visual style, I think that you zone into something like that and there is something that's that's just off and you feel it off, then it would, again, raise the, the hair on the back of your neck and make you appreciate it more. So, again, that's a, a preference in terms of how you want that stuff presented. That's all. Let's move on to the sound editing, which you, you mentioned. You know this too about me. I'm yes. It's insanely important to me. For the most part, I shouldn't say for the most part, there were a lot of points where actually I was not impressed with the sound. Um, a lot of it did not feel like it was appropriate to where you are, which is an island. And so a lot of times it just didn't sound like you're in an island or I I should say on an island and different scenes where you are in the caves as well. You can see how there's some sound editing to make it sound a little bit more like you're in there, but not not nearly enough. There were a lot of points where I thought the sound editing was not as good as it could have been. It wasn't horrible, not by any stretch. And at points it was very good. Like the tuning into the radio stations to Mm -hmm. to find different things and all that. There were points where it was justifiably good, but there were points where I, I didn't feel it fit. And an, an area where I especially noticed this was in the sound recording for the voices. Now, again, voice acting is another thing that's insanely important to me when I'm playing a game. And immediately I'm playing this game and there are a couple of the characters where the voice casting was not right. 
like these, they don't sound like teenage kids and they're supposed to be teenage kids. So not everybody, some of them do sound really good, but especially the male characters, especially Ren, Ren, Re, Ren, yeah, Ren. Ren. Yeah. His voice acting was, he, he was not cast right. He, he was good and he was enjoyable to listen to kind of yeah, thing, but he wasn't that. a teenage boy. So. No, and you know what? And, and, and I think that was just for me. And I think I kind of let that go because I just kind of viewed it as almost like a tropey movie style thing where they tend to cast older people as yeah. teenagers. True. But and, it didn't. and that's what and that's why I kind of like wrote it off, I guess. But I don't buy that. Me personally, I don't buy that. In this day and age, when you can hire anybody for voice acting to miscast somebody doesn't work. But even then, that wasn't my biggest problem. My biggest problem was if you listen to a lot of the lines as they're being delivered, you can practically hear, well, not practically, you can hear a lot of them. You can hear that it's in a studio. And in some cases, it didn't sound like necessarily the best studio. Like you could hear the voice bouncing off of hard objects around them. It wasn't a good studio recording yeah, that they could then yeah. transpose into whatever environmental sounds they needed. So it really, really sounded like this person here is talking out of a studio in their basement that isn't finished, as opposed to this person here who sounds much more natural. And it's possible they were all recorded in the same studio. I honestly don't know. I, all I can say is it's much more noticeable with certain lines at different points and it just does not blend in well at all. And that, that takes me out of a game when something is done like that. See, and I didn't notice that as much. And when I was talking about the audio engineer and I was more talking about the radio and yeah. what was in the frequencies there, because let's be honest, that is the meat of the game and how it is not just the, the looping music in the background or things like that. Uh, which I thought was actually kind of cool where the music will give you audio cues as to what's going on if you pay attention to it. But the little things that they hid inside of the static in the bands of the radio and the individual stations, as well as like the newscasts that were playing over it and the music choices for the time period uh, that was bleeding over, so to speak, into your realm was really I thought was really well done. Yeah, there were uh, a and, lot. Yeah, you're right. And I will say that, you know, and I'm going to give them a little bit of credit here because I'm looking through and I'm just kind of like seeing who their voice actors were. And it looks like it was the mainly the four people that were actually developing the game plus one. Right. So they weren't professional voice actors. So I have a feeling that it was more a either a budgetary thing or whatever the case is. And, I, and, and I'm not trying to excuse it away because we've had we've seen stuff like Bastion where. You know, you, um, why can't I think of his name now? Where the narrator, where the narrator from there, Logan Cunningham, yeah. was just a developer on there and just that amazing voice. But at the same point, it's like I'm, I'm going to cut them a little slack in that regard just well, because of the size of it. Again, and I, I'm not even saying most of the voices were a problem. In fact, most of them fit and were good. I thought that Renz was definitely not cast well, and um, Joshua was all right, but. Not much more than that. But the other ones I thought were actually quite good. In oh, I fact, thought Alex, was, per, was, I Alex, thought Alex was, was spot on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So the, 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 I don't want to slam the voice acting too much. I just thought there was a little oh, no, not I, cast I, I, right, I but it's the studio recording that bothered me. And, and again, sound engineer. The, now, you mentioned the radio 
for anybody who has not played the game, your little shortwave radio that you have plays a very, very important role in the game wherein you use it to tune in a variety of things from the supernatural down to stations that give you information about the island at different points and whatnot. And I thought it, that was a really interesting touch, too. It, it's different. I'll give you that. Well, Very different. And, and I liked how it kind of – I liked it initially, but then there was a point where it's like – and it was a point, I think, when you, A, start realizing that you're unlocking all the doors with it and also – which was – Let's be honest. That was a little weird. And that's that, a real thing. It's, it just seems stupid. It and, is, but it was it was World War II technology. That was a real thing that they did. They okay, had short, okay. They had short band transmitters and radios that were used for securing bunkers and bases uh, that were able to emit certain frequencies, like an RF key, almost. Okay, so that's a real thing. Good to know. Good to know. I didn't know that. The other thing, though, is that once you get the radio that has a lot more bands. That's when it felt like a time sink versus a feature because now you're scrolling through a lot more bands to yeah. find what you need. And it was no longer a fun, quirky, oh, I'm going to open this by tuning in a band. No, now it's like, oh, fuck, I got to go from, you know, 50 to 100, whatever it was again, scrolling through just so that I can do this one goddamn thing. And it was a time sink. Yeah, and I I felt that way at first until I realized that it will go as fast as you want to go and will actually, like, flare and key up when you get to, like, right around the area you need to be. So you can go really quickly through it, and then you can just slow down when you see the color shift or get brighter. I missed some by, I will argue that, because there's some of them that I went through and there was nothing, and then all of a sudden you start going slower, and then all of a sudden it starts turning red and stuff, and it's like, okay. It wasn't as bad with the locks. towards the end of the game, I will say there were a couple of them that did that, yes. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the actual story of the game. You've played through it twice. Let's give you some talking time. Run the folks through (laughs) what the game is. All right, so the the story of the game opens up with your character, Alex, on a ferry with her friends going to Edward Island uh, and as well as her new brand new stepbrother to have one night of senior fun. Uh, It's the tradition that they go and they spend the night and kind of do their thing, get drunk on a beach and on a bonfire. You everything goes according to plan until you start going to the this mouth of the cave where they have these these little markers and you get a little bit of the story where your buddy Ren tells you that kids who visit the island with their little shortwave radio kind of travel around and there's these weird things that happen where you'll pick up things on this radio that aren't really there, which is weird for everybody else because cell phones and long wave radios don't really work on this island. It's an old military installation uh, that has all sorts of weird stuff about it in that regard. It, it, I thought that was kind of an, a tropey thing, but I'm okay with it. Then you go to these these marks and you, you tune the radio, and every time you do, there's a reaction from the mouth of the cave. And it's, you tune in, and it's like, okay, it responds. Tunes in again, it responds. Tune in again, it responds, and a light stays on. Your stepbrother's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go investigate because, of course, he is. Goes into the cave. You have to go chasing after him. You yep. go. Yep. But what go happens in. to Ren, though? What's that? What happens to Ren? Ren sits outside because he has popped a special brownie. <laughs> and he didn't mix it right. Nope. He did. He got the magic wrong. He got the magic. <laughs> that, was a, that was hysterical. Whoever wrote that, whoever wrote that line. Yeah. 
I'm going to sit down right here because I didn't, I don't think I got the magic right. <laughs> oh, that was funny. So you go through the cave system and it's creepy a little bit, and but more it's, it's just kind of off kilter. And you come across this area that has your stepbrother, Jonas, this little floating triangle above and a random armoire that says right above it. I saw the man, but not the dog, which there's a little sign earlier in the caves from graffiti. See a man about a dog. So Jonas is like, Oh, that's really weird. We should, you know, I wonder if you could tune into it with the radio. So like a dumbass, you tune into it with the radio and you realize that as you're doing this, it locks into the frequency and it starts drawing lines. And you do this two more times and you unlock a portal. And from that portal, everything goes to hell. You black out. Everybody is scattered to the three corners of the wind. And that's where the fun really starts to begin. And I'll let you I'll let you talk a little bit there, Raj. The portal system initially. I don't know if you felt about it the same way that I did, because initially I was and I'm all for trying different things in games, but I was already kind of hesitant about the shortwave radio when it's bringing in the lights from outside and they're trying to explain it that, you know, could affect satellites or any number of whatever. But then when you're getting that triangle portal thing and you go, it was, I got used to it as the game progressed, but I think that there could have been a better way to do it. Don't ask me what that is. I'd have to sit down and try a whole bunch of write out a whole bunch of different things to try to figure it out. But I think that there could have been a better way to present them than just floaty triangles. Like just as an example, when they, when the possessions start taking into effect, while that is a far older trope, I think part of that is also because it's a far more believable trope than floating triangles in the sky that you tune into with your radio. Yeah. And that was a little weird, um, but they didn't overuse it in my opinion, because you only really do it three times plus the end. Was it and only that? I thought it was more than yeah, that. Yeah, no, there's only three times. Cause okay. so the, yeah, the but times three times for is, a game of this length is still a, a lot, let's be honest. I I would argue that it served its purpose when you figure okay. out what was actually happening when you were doing that. Well, it's especially noticeable at the end, which I, I don't want to spoil too much of the ending for folks, but it's especially noticeable at the end. Again, it's... The, I don't know. I, I, I would have liked to have seen a different way of telling that part of the story. Not that this was bad or horrible. It's just kind of felt off to me, but it does open then the storyline to the time displacement things, which is yet another reason why you feel that life is strange kind of thing. But this is, yeah, but you have far less control over it. You have no control. Specify that for people that haven't played this game. You don't, you don't rewind time at will. No, this just kind of happens to you. Yeah, exactly. You're just a victim and there's no, you have to figure out how to get out of these time loops, but it's not, it's, it's sometimes it's not even your something you did, which gets you out of the time loop so much as it's expired and you can move on, which again gives you yet more of that feeling that you have no control over, which was phenomenal because that's again, what this entire game is about. And while I'm, I'm putting a lot of, of I'm, I'm putting out a lot of critiques here about it. The fact remains, I did really like this game a lot and there are elements of it that I really liked a lot mm-hmm. that were good. I just, 
I think it could have been better. That said, again, going back to these time displacement things, they happen quite a bit and you really get that sense, that, that feeling, that supernatural feeling because of not just the time displacements, but also because various characters appear at various points. They're transported to different areas. You, you really are never in control. And, and that's kind of an important thing to keep in mind too, throughout the story, which I thought was kind of interesting because you make a lot of choices. And I thought that was kind of a, an interesting parody almost like the two play off each other. Well, you're making all these choices in a situation where you don't have a whole lot of control. And I thought that was kind of cool because to me, if I was a teenager in that scenario and I'm feeling like I'm, I don't have control over this, what's happening over here. I need to worry about what's happening over here that I can control. And I'm going to focus on that. I thought that was kind of an interesting touch. Well, they, they do that also by giving you the ultimatum of, listen, you let us keep, oh, what's her name? Cassandra? No. Clarissa. Clarissa. You let us keep her as a vessel that we can use. Well, we're getting and, a little ahead of ourselves on that part. No, no. But what I'm saying is in terms of that lack of control and yet presented in a way where you might have a modicum of control where you let us keep her and you guys can go off on you and we won't stop you kind of thing. Then as the player, at least for myself as I'm playing, even though at least I chose, no, no, you're not getting her. There's a moment where you're like, (laughs) things have not been going well at all. We obviously have no control here. It might not be a bad idea to just cut our losses and, and go kind of thing. And that says a lot to the storytelling and how, how you are tossed around in this story all over the place and made to come to this deduction reasoning, which is quite obviously what they wanted you to do. Well, yeah. And I thought that was, I don't want to, I keep saying well done, but I enjoyed that quite a lot. And I enjoyed the, like the last, I'd say half hour, hour of the game. I actually did have to stop and think about the choices I was making a little bit. And it's like, okay, what do I want to do here? Because the game does really well of sort of sort of getting you to that position where it finally gives you a choice, a set of choices and none of them are good, right? Like it, it's reinforcing the fact that this situation is absolutely terrible. And I thought that was really well done because it's like a lot of times they'll give you like, oh, here's your you're out. That makes everything better. No, something something is going to be fucked for you by the end of this game. And I really appreciated the fact that something remained fucked no matter what you did. And I'm okay with that. Oh, but as you, yeah. But as you progress through the game, you realize that the the events of Edward Island, there was a submarine that was that would patrol and that was stationed there, that wound up sinking, and it wound up having 85 military officers die as well as 12 passengers. They were lost completely. Like they were just all dead. They were entombed inside of the submarine, which is grim dark. And as you play through the game, you start to figure out that these are the spirits that you're interacting with. And at first, it's playful. Like, they're kicking a ball back and forth with you. You're getting little glimpses of what happened in the past. Little tiny things. Until they start possessing your friends. And red eyes, black miasma, and they take control and they start trying to talk through your friends. So what do you do? Well, you know, I opened up this gateway before. I'll 
go ahead and try the radio thing. And a couple times you wind up opening up a portal and it saves your friend, quote unquote, from that spirit that's that's in it. And you can move on and and, and try to unravel more what's going on. Why are they trying to bleed through? Why are they in, why are they possessing your friends? Why are they trying to talk through them? And I thought it was kind of interesting, too, because your initial choices or initial thoughts are, oh, they're just ghosts trying to talk with us. This is, you know, this is nothing insidious. They're just trying to communicate through with us because a lot of times like the they're when they're when you open up a portal, there'll be little glimpses like almost like the radio show clips where they'll talk like little blips taken from radios where it's like, you know, try talk through child bad. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was kind of cool. But as you progress, you start realizing that I don't think they actually just want to talk to us until you come to a point about halfway through where you realize, oh, shit, they're going to take us. We're we're their way out of where they are. And then everything becomes this mad dash to figure out how do you break this off? How do you can you release them with while saving yourself? Can you know, you seal them back up. What can you do? And then you have to unravel this entire mystery around what actually happened. What can you do? What what can you do that's here on the island? All sorts of cool little stuff like that. And it does a really good job, at least in my opinion, from ramping up from that sort of innocent encounter with that weird paranormal event to you start realizing the gravity of these situations. This just keeps piling on to you and it keeps piling and keeps piling and keeps piling. I think the thing that it does best to convey that sense of helplessness is the fact that you realize not just as the player, but also as the character and her friends that you, there's nothing you can do in terms of like getting off the Island, say, and it's especially noticeable when you go to the house to go get the boat. Maggie's and, house. And so you go through the house and then there's the, all hell breaks loose in that freaking house as well. <laughs> and then you finally get the keys to the boat and you're thinking, okay, are we just going to take off? And I think it's Jonah who says too, like, why bother? Like, because literally time will just screw with you these ghosts will put you somewhere else and scatter you in the wind on the island anywhere again, so that you have to once again, go look for each other. And meanwhile, the clock is ticking because they're saying at dawn, we own own your bodies. So you realize again, especially at that point, literally that moment where Jonas said, and I think it was Jonas, like why bother that you're not going to win this by, being the fastest to run to this point or being the most efficient at coordinating all your friends or things like that. It's your brain. It's figuring out certain things to get yourself through. Like there's that wonderful moment as well, where you're on the bridge by the cable car, car, I believe. And the ghost has taken over. I think once again, Jonah, although that might depend on who you were that with. That depends at the time. on who you take with you. Yeah. And then the ghost is saying like, let us keep, Clarissa and the rest of you can go and your character says you wouldn't be asking us this giving us this choice you would just take our bodies so that means 
there is something we can do. And that's where you have that little aha moment of, hold on, mm-hmm. there's, we can do something. We can keep working at this and eventually get through it. So again, brilliantly written, conceived, and put together in such a way that despite the helplessness of the entire game, you figure out that you can get through, and which is quite obvious, but you know, you, you can get through, you can all get through together potentially, and it's just going to be a matter of figuring out certain there has, things. Yes, there has to be a way. There has to be a way. Yeah. So, again, all of these are, are phenomenal things that that, that that the game did very, very well. The Another thing that I wasn't crazy about is that, well, I did like the island. I like the layout. I like the going around. Although the controls are a little wonky at times for yeah. kind of getting through. But I like the island. The only thing I didn't like about the island is that it was split up into so many zones that it keeps zoning you in and out and saving at the same time. And that's a mechanic that I could have done without. It would have been a lot better had they done a single island, a single zone, because it wasn't that big that allows you to go through it without ever zoning out and then just save on your own kind of thing. I think that was just a, a I don't want to say a limitation on the the size of the dev team, but I, I think that had something to do with it. And because I, I think of what it was doing from a technical standpoint is every time you zoned, it would check who you were partied with and what choices you made and what conversation you had every time you zone through. Because if you think of each zone as its own individual instance, it makes sense. Um, but I didn't notice that as well. And I thought that was... I don't want to say jarring. Oh, it is. It was very jarring. And there's way too many of them, especially because the, um, the game has you constantly going to different areas. And because of, because of certain elements in the game where again, your friends get ported off to different places. You got to go activate this. You got to do whatever you're going in and out of zones. And then of course, the other thing too, is you can't just pull up the goddamn map. So the map shows up every once in a while when there's a pivotal moment. You could pull do. the map up at any point in time. Which, which, which key? How? Left, left control. They tell you that in the game. Oh, for fuck's sake, I missed it then. <laughs> I missed it, son of a bitch. Oh, my God. How did I miss that? Because honestly, I tried. Yeah, it, it was probably the one key I didn't hit. because I, you didn't push. I quite yeah. literally was putting my finger, running my finger along every single key to see if it would do something to bring the map up. Because that was annoying as fuck. Because I kept taking a wrong turn here or there or whatever. And then you're zoning in and out oh, a lot. Which, speaking yeah, of which, yeah. writers for Oxenfree, a lot is two words. Okay. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice. Oh, no, they didn't. No, no. Oh, they I, did. I did notice that they needed a copy editor very badly. Yes. And some of the, some of the dialogue choices, yes. Yes. I, I noticed that immediately. But again, that's another thing where I don't notice I do certain things like that until somebody else, is, somebody else reads my stuff. So I'm cut them a little slack. Just I'm not, not, little in a, no, not in a game that's put out like this. No. You, you cannot have a lot. The, the magical creature, furry creature. <laughs> creature, no, no, no. A lot is too hard. Yeah, magical furry creature fits this game, okay? Well, that that is actually true. So, anyways, that's a that's I, I say a minor gripe, but it has a huge impact. I found it would sure. have been nice if the the coding had been better and allowed for one zone. So, for future endeavors, we're available. We'll help you out. I mean, you know, what the fuck do you know about coding games? 
<laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know. I know it can be done, but I don't know how to do it. It's a little bit more than you think I do, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, good for you. So in terms of choices, because you do have a lot of choices in terms of how you want to progress. Although I did find that, man, they are fast with your time allotment for making a choice. Some even more than others. But Yeah, it was fuck, variable. Man, you got to be paying attention. Between your two gameplays, did you play it quite a bit different to see what would I happen? I did, actually. And give us a rundown. So my first playthrough, I played through um, what I would call my gut feeling playthrough, which is what I do with any game of this nature. It's what would I do? And I made my my decisions rapid. I took charge. I was interrupting people. And I was like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, that's nice. Okay, you two shut up. We're going to go do this. You're coming with me. You two stay here. Like, I just took complete command of everything that was going on. I didn't really let people bicker. I didn't. I just kind of ran through everybody, and that actually had an impact. Um, and by the end of it, I, do you want me to talk about what my ending was for that? Or Yeah, sure, to- sure. Yeah, people know we're spoiling, so if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead. Okay, so my first playthrough actually ended with with – me making a couple very key choices throughout the entire thing. Whenever there was a a thing popping up with Michael, I was like, you know what? M- Michael's your your deceased brother who died in an accident, a swimming accident on this island, actually. And you have these moments with him where you're possessed and you blank out and you go back in time a little bit or you, you relive this memory. And in those, I'm like, you know what? He was I'm thinking to myself. He died because I wanted to have this one this one moment with him where he was going to be disappearing forever. Fuck it. I'm going to convince him to stay. And so every choice I made, everything I said, everything I did that involved him was you really don't want to go anywhere. You want to stay here. Come on. You know, you do. Which is an important thing here. <laughs> uh, then he was dating your friend Clarissa and. I made it a point to save Clarissa and make sure that they stayed together because that was one of the choices you had is you could either try to break them up because she's a really catty person at, at this point in the story. When you first, when you when you as a player are first introduced to her, she's kind of like Daria, but horrible. Bitchy. Yeah. And she's just absolutely awful person. She hates you. She makes no qualms about it. She doesn't pretend. She doesn't hide. She she just dislikes you because she believes you are the reason for Michael's death. So I was like, you know what? There, there's these memories that happen where you are walking with both of them. And I'm like, they're happy. She's happy. He's happy. Okay, I'm going to try to keep them together. So every time he would ask about it or an option would come up, immediately I would make choices. Y'all need to stay together. This is, you know, go for it. You two are make each other happy. It's great. Go for it. Be happy. But stay in town. Don't go anywhere. Just stay here. Stay together. By the end of the game, I had a choice. And the choice was, and this is the big choice, and this is this is constant throughout for everybody, regardless of what your choices are. But I, I, that sounds disingenuous. It's one major choice, but the little nuances to each of it are, are from all your other choices throughout the game. You can leave Clarissa behind taking the deal from the spirits where they say, we're going to take her. She's already gone, but we'll let you all leave and have your little petty lives. We'll just all cram into this body where you can sacrifice yourself and you can stay behind in this other realm and you can close the portal. And they tell you, if you do this, you're going to be stuck here with us for all eternity, reliving your death over and over and over again. And it sucks. You don't have to do this. 
So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it. And this, they give you a whole bunch of time on. There's no time limit on this. You can either walk to the portal and leave, or you can close the portal and trap yourself in there with them. I had just done all this to keep Clarissa and my brother together. I had done everything I could to push uh, Ren and Nona together, which were two other friends of mine. I had done everything to make everybody happy and get everything together. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to make the noble choice. And I closed it. And I closed that portal. And that was my first playthrough. Now, the ending sequence here was really interesting because you go through this big loop where you're talking to your brother. You have this big heart to heart moment and you have that one final chance to convince him to stay. And of course I do tell him I love him, tell him all this stuff and, and say, you know what? I really want you to not go. Then you come back and you wake up on the ferry and you're leaving the island. But in my playthrough, Jonas wasn't there. Oh, really? Because I had saved Michael. Michael replaced Jonas. Clarissa and Michael were together. Nona and Ren were together. And there was this little thing where you wake up to Ren giving a quote. And it's a quote from his favorite book. And, you know, then you have this conversation about all the crazy stuff that happened on the island. And you're crowd of out of sorts because you just brought your brother back from the dead, basically. And you get together and you take one final photo. But right before you take that photo, Ren says the same quote again. And this is kind of important because the entire point of this game is time loops, right? You go through with the credits roll and they do little the little playthroughs and they, they give you all this the breakdowns of everything that happened, what your choices were, who did what, who did everything. And then as you're talking about your life, the audio starts to distort just a little bit for me. And then I get some of that old VCR tracking at the top and bottom. Then it goes back to normal. Then it does it again. And the voice distorts and goes lower a couple of octaves. Then it goes back to normal. And then the conversation completely flips to the beginning of the game where you're heading to the island with your brand new stepbrother dragging him along with you because your mother, your father made you do it uh, and that you're meeting up with Ren for his stupid thing. And then the game just cuts. And I thought that was really well done because one, I didn't see that coming. Two, I got to save my brother, which I didn't even know was an option, which I thought was really well done. And it made my sort of sacrifice seem okay because I made everybody else's lives better. And I thought that was kind of cool. That that was my first playthrough. Mine, actually, I didn't, I won't go into it nearly as long, but I actually, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, it's interesting. I, I did not save Michael. I, I didn't even know that was an option. So that's, kudos to them. That's very interesting. The... Whenever I would have those memories, I would actually, I encouraged him to live his life because that was one of the things that, it was one of the things that I thought was really cool in how it tied in with your mirror reflections and the, oh yes, 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 because whenever you see your mirror reflection, sometimes it will tell you something. And then at the end of the game, you're that mirror reflection telling the you that played the game, different things. And one of them was to let Michael go kind of thing. And so I, I, I did actually, I, I encouraged him to go. So it's interesting to hear that. So when I finished it, 
you get that wrap up at the end. And basically our group was not tight because while I didn't play like you in terms of just strictly commando taking charge everything, I, I was not touchy feely with anyone, not even Ren. Like I know he's supposed to be her best friend and all that, but no, it was, it, it, and this is where it was very much me playing the game. And that says a lot because again, and I still enjoyed it, but people who've heard me gush about games often will hear when I say I get sucked right in and I will be that character. And this one, I really wasn't, it was just me playing the character. So I made choices that were different along the way and never really just one thing. And, and I wanted to try to be with each of the characters at different points. Like when the two guys were arguing at the towers, like, fuck you guys, you're staying there by yourself. No, no, come on with me. (laughs) And, uh, and so at the end, of course, everybody's going their own ways. You still talk a little bit, but even the stepbrother, she says, like, you see him once or twice a year kind of thing. So because he's got his own opinions of of how it all went down and wanting to forget it kind of thing. And then I got the same loop back as well to the beginning. So I don't know if that loop back happens in every playthrough. Did it, it happen it on your other one? Second playthrough. What's that? It did not in my second playthrough. Really? I with I had wound up alienating Jonas, alienating Ren, and sacrificing Clarissa, which was one of the key defining moments that turned Jonas against me. Also telling him, "Fuck you! You don't get to listen to your mom's tape. Come on, we got shit to do." Um, oh, you bastard! I was a total wow. Fucking that is horrible. And 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 Vince will will hate me for this, but I was like, "What would Vince do? I'm going to do that. That's my second. I did not get a loop. I did not get a loop back to the beginning of the we game. We need that, that on a T-shirt. See that sometimes the genocide run is best. What she, would Vince? Her do? life was her life was miserable, but she was it. It lived on. Hold on a second. What would Vince do? He put some seashells on there. <laughs> what would Vince do is available. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gifts of like horrible decisions you can make in video games. <laughs> oh, we should oh no, thing. it's not actually. Oh, you bastard. Who would take that? Vince? <laughs> what would Vince do? WWVD. It sounds like a freaking venereal disease. (laughs) Damn it, it's not available. Oh, well, that would have been funny. So, yeah, no, uh, that's interesting. And I wonder if the reason why it worked out that way then is because you did, in fact, sacrifice Clarissa at the end. Near near is what I can tell that the spirits made good on their deal. But there are apparently seven or eight different endings to the game. Really? Hmm? Wow. Impressive. So. Like, and that's one of the things, and that's one one of the reasons why I gave this game such high praise is the fact that such a small game that had a dev cycle of a year with four player with four devs did such an amazing oh, job. Yeah. One conveying a story, which I guess you know that goes without saying. They're ex Telltale and Disney alumni, so I mean, they understand what it's like to tell a story. But they did so in a way that at least made me very interested, if not engaged as far as what it was, is like immersed in the game, which I don't have to be 100 percent immersed. But I they they piqued my curiosity of I need to figure out what the hell's going on. And then when I realized that there were variables for the endings, that it wasn't just one or two, I'm probably going to play this game through a couple more times. 
I would have thought it, a couple of endings, max maybe three or four, but not that many. That's that is impressive. Are, yeah, there are apparently seven different endings. There are three quote unquote good and four quote unquote bad. <laughs> well, I can't so, imagine mine was good. Well, we all live, so that's good. But I just looped back in anyway, so that can't be considered good. Uh, technically, that is good because really? we sacrificed we sacrificed ourselves so that others could live. That true, that true. allowed us that we did a noble sacrifice and let other people move on with their lives. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any parting thoughts? Honestly, I was very impressed with this game. It is. I think it's worth every single penny. If you, it's one of those games. If you enjoy good storytelling. Uh, with maybe just a few things here and there that you could probably nitpick, which of course there's always going to be something in any game. It's worth the money. It's $20 USD. It's worth, it's worth it in my opinion. And again, I was critical of certain points, but that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. You can be critical of something that you like. And this was a fun game. Hell, I was telling you too over and over again, how many different things that I was really digging. And it was a lot of fun to talk about it. Let's move on to a couple of other well, actually, one very, very, very briefly. Did either of you play Super Hot yet? No, but it looks cool as hell. God yep. damn, is that ever cool? I, I played through it insanely short, just for the record. Is it worth the money? No. As a concept and as something fun to do if you get it on a good sale? Definitely. But... It's oh really, shit! It's twenty five bucks. Fuck it's, that. It's short. Yeah. Um, even if you're having problems with levels where you have to do them several times to be able to figure out the quote unquote the best way to 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 finish it, it's again it, it's 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 very short. But holy crap, is it ever cool? It's stylish as hell. I love the concept as well, which allows you to be more tactical in how you do different things. Controls, tight. It just is a ton of fun. And there actually is a kind of a story, you know, where you're jacked in where you shouldn't be in playing it. And there's things that happen that show you that, oh, they're actually, this isn't just being put out as a proof of concept, awesome first-person shooter kind of game. No, there's something going on here. So as you play it for a little bit longer and longer, you, you get those story elements. We should probably this is like real quick. It's super hot. It's for those of you that don't know is a first person shooter where time only moves when you move. Well, not entirely true. It, it does move. Even or it when slows you're stopped. Down, it's like, just very, very slow. So you can kind of pick quiet. apart what you want to do. Yeah. And then you don't have health regeneration. You don't have ammo drops. You have to take weapons from around the environment or your enemies. And then the enemies appear as these red glass guys. Again, super stylish. And everything else is white, which again leads to... And black. uh, Well, yeah. And it's just very, very, very stylish and amazing, too. And the controls are fun, too, because you can punch them as well. And... It makes you feel as if you're in a slow motion kind of fight scene, which just makes it all the more awesome because you do get moments where you'll punch a guy and he his gun flies in the air. And as it's flying, you grab it out of the air and shoot the motherfucker in the face. And it's that when they break apart in millions shards of glass, it's so satisfying. <laughs> and then you could also shoot bottles at them. You could use a crowbar. There's a lot of different ways to do things, and it's just a ton of fun. 
I love how after you've completed a level, it plays it through in real yeah. time and you just look like the most awesome like, oh, yeah. action movie star ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Especially if you get to a level that is a where nice you can touch. use a sword. A few of them have swords. And then when you mm-hmm. watch that in real time, it's like, God damn, look at me go. <laughs> Freaking Samurai Jack's <laughs> got nothing on me. Okay, the other game that I wanted to talk about that I really wanted to talk about is Firewatch. Now, this game has already is sold over 500,000 copies in one month. It's since has obviously sold more than that. And I played this after I played Oxenfree. Now, again, I was very critical of Oxenfree, but I really enjoyed it a lot. Then I played Firewatch. Holy shit. Firewatch had me hooked from the very beginning. It is so unbelievably well done and what was especially telling is that at one point I stopped and again this was over the course of a few days that I played it but one of the days I'd been playing for a while and then uh, my daughter was dropping off our granddaughter for us to watch for a few hours and we love having her overall obviously love spending time and, and, and whatnot and so she came over and we're playing we're having fun and whatnot and my my son came downstairs at one point and he asked how was because he'd see me playing it earlier how was firewatch going and i said here's how good the game is this is great i mean this is my freaking granddaughter I'm, I'm having a lot of fun here and i love the family stuff back of my brain i cannot stop thinking about firewatch I need to get back in this game and figure out what the fuck is going on in there. And to talk to Delilah again. <laughs> She's freaking awesome. And like when you, you first start off, you get a ton of story. And I love the manner in which it's presented. Because you're playing as someone named Henry. And it plays you through in, in mainly, mostly a, a text format in breaks as you are hiking along a trail and you find out how he met his wife prior to obviously being married, Julia, and it gives you key moments in their life leading up to their marriage. When they get a dog and poor buckets, you know, something's going to happen to him because that's just the way it's going. And there's different things that happen. And then you find out and you get to make a few choices in terms of how you react to different situations. And then, again, it's split as you are walking a trail. And then you find out that she has early onset dementia at 41. And it's crushing. Now, again, if anybody's ever listened to this podcast, I've talked at length about not just my disability, but my wife had a brain injury as well. And it's nowhere near this but I could appreciate certain elements of this and it's crushing and it's hard. And it's, 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 it's one of those things that as you're playing through, you have to come to terms with that as it pertains to the character's decisions. And this is something where, and both of you guys will understand this, obviously you too, Joe, because of your, your, well, it's your mm-hmm. marriage now with Tart too. You take care of each other. When, when something goes bad, you're there for each other. My wife and I have done that for over 22 years now, and you're doing it with yours and fancy you too. So whenever I play a game where the character skirts away from a responsibility, it's just a natural thing for me then to not be interested in that character. 
and to yep. think a lot less of the character, a lot less of the character. And especially this one, you're like, wow, this is going to be hard for me to not only relate to him, but actually enjoy playing as him. So I kind of was worried where it was going to go. It doesn't take long where not only do you come to terms with it and accept it, it, it's, it's never a choice that, that I would make, but like you find out how he actually left her because, well, he didn't really leave her. He was caring for her and it got to be damn near full-time job, kind of taking care of her. And then when her folks who lived in Australia came to visit one time, they saw that the house was in shambles and they didn't feel he was taking good enough care of her because he was having some nights out where he could just kind of relax and not think about it. Sometimes after she'd gone to bed, they think no. And they decide they're taking her back to Australia to take care of her. And instead of him following to be with her, he takes this forest ranger job. So again, it's a good setup and it's with the conversations with another person, another ranger, a woman uh, named Delilah, that you slowly, you can, if you choose to, talk about these things and how you feel about it. And you get her input as well kind of thing. And it, there's never a moment where you feel, well, some people might, but it, there's never a moment where I felt, okay, he was justified in not following or anything like that. No, you still have strong feelings. But because of the way that it's presented, you and because he knows he's making the wrong call, you know, and because he is torn by this, you start to feel more for the character and you accept it, put it that way. And especially as you get conversations with Delilah, where she eventually opens up for why she's there, because her thing right off the bat is how... um no one takes that job unless they're either running from something or hiding from something kind of thing. There's a reason why there's something that's screwed up in your life and that's why you're here. And so they start to kind of share that and she shares why she is there. And you start to accept that these are two very flawed people. Not horribly flawed, but they're both flawed people that are forging this bond and what I liked is that it wasn't presented in such a way that it was, I'm, I'm sure there might've been options that made it more kind of a, a romantic subplot at, at different points, but it didn't really feel that way for me as I was playing. It was just someone on the other end of that radio that you could talk to that understands and that you're in this together kind of thing. And you're, you both have your, your baggage kind of thing. Now, the other thing is, is, the game is brilliant in how it's done for a lot of different reasons. Again, going back to that sound editing kind of thing, there are a few points where the sound editing could have been better to make you feel like you are in that setting, but those zones were kind of few and far between. For the most part, you really do get that sense that you are in the zone, despite the the somewhat cartoony feel of it uh, in terms of the the manner in which it was it was laid out. That works for it. And then as opposed to say oxen free, this one here, I played it. And even though like his hairs are like the hair on his legs is kind of like Bob's from Bob's burgers <laughs> hair on his arms kind of thing, that kind of situation, but it's still, it's still fit. And I really, really dug it. But the important thing of the game is making you feel again, 
very much alone and in the midst of something really fucked up and weird going on in the park as well. And your lifeline being that voice on the other line at the other end of that radio. Again, Delilah, who is done brilliantly by Sissy Jones. And because of how important that is, that's the most important thing in the game. They could not have cast Delilah better. I mean, if this woman is not nominated, and I'm saying this now in March, <laughs> if this woman is not nominated for a Best Voice Actors at the end of the year, it will be a criminal shame. It was that good. The thing is, is that you never, spoiler, you never actually see Delilah. And that's important. And, and, and it's one of those where some people might complain that the ending, you don't get to see her and get that release. You're not meant to. That was never the point. So you have a woman's voice on the radio and that's it. But she's always there for you at different points. And her character is set. But because of the time wherein the story takes place and because of everything that happens in the story her character changes. You see different aspects of her character to the point of, you know, the drunk calls a couple of times, which are fantastic, but you see a wide range, but it's always that character. And so you forge this bond with Delilah over time and you look forward to those conversations. And again, because it is quite literally only a voice on a radio, it would be very difficult for a good voice actor to be able to convey all of the emotion needed to, because you don't have the avatar to look at, to recognize body language and visual cues in terms of what it is. They're trying to say that emphasis on a sarcastic line with the upshot eyebrow, things like that. You got none of that. All you have is a voice, which means that voice actor has to be able to convey such a range of emotions that you can literally See them in your brain, their mannerisms. You can see the body language, even though it's not there. And you can. There's there's points where one that was especially noticeable for me is you come across this kind of burnt up hut, this this outpost. And when you go in, you get attacked by a raccoon. It's not a big deal, but you report it to her as you do a great many things. And so she starts on this funny story, but she's kind of pretending like it's a serious campfire story of the, 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 how the house is haunted by raccoon ghosts and whatnot. And, and, and you can feel the playfulness. You can feel all these little, you can almost see her shoulders hunched up at different points when she's telling different, different bits of the story. And it was again, brilliant. It was so fantastic. And then you have that range of emotions as well, because you don't just have her feeling guilty for different relationship things from the past that led her there, but also part of the story that is going on involves a kid who's there with his father, who's a ranger and the kid's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be just be adults and so there's a lot of different things there where she had a bond with this kid and with, with the father. So you get this range of emotions there that that's just phenomenal. And it goes on from there. There's a lot of different things. 
that happened in the game that I was not expecting at all. And it builds up. There's so much tension, which again, you would not think in a small indie title like this, that there'd be as much tension as there is, but there's some jacked up shit happening and you're trying to figure out what's happening in, and you're kind of being misled, but not in a manner that makes you feel as if you're being misled. It's just as you figure things out, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And, and, and so forth. But it does not take away from that sense of unease. A lot of the times, I mean, when you're getting the, her telling you, listen, I'm watching you in your tower right now and you're in a cave and you're going like, I'm not in my tower. And she's saying, I'm looking at you right now. What do you, don't, don't mess with me. And it's like, I'm not in my tower. And it's like, well, someone is, <laughs> it was like, oh shit. <laughs> and then you're just, the beeline. phone calls coming from inside the house. Yes, essentially. <sighs> yeah. So there's a lot of different things that's done really, really well. There's a lot of different elements again with the, there's several different storylines that are kind of all converging and done in such a way that it's just, the resolution is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. And it still made you feel as if you, you the, the person in the game, you, Henry, has to figure this shit out because it's gnawing away at you. And it's just, it's, I don't want to say too much because I, I really don't want to spoil it. But again, there's there's enough tension that you want to keep playing to figure out what is going on here. And that's saying a lot for a game that's, you know, a Firewatch game. They're your, your Firewatch duty. How much could you expect is going on? Apparently a lot. And kudos to Art Direction. Phenomenal. I was reading an article how instead of just using the, the presets for trees and all that, the, one of the artists was actually putting all the trees out there so that it looked more natural. And it does. One complaint I did have was in regards to the score, which the, while the score is actually really quite good, the game for the most part is silent. Yeah, I mean, I, I say silent, but it's the environmental sounds and not, there's no well, score I mean, I, playing. That makes sense, though, for the, oh, the type of game, though. I love that. I thought it was phenomenal. It, it it makes you appreciate the loneliness of just you and maybe somebody else in this this park. But at various zones, out of nowhere, music starts up. Now, as a gamer, to you, you think, oh, some shit's about to go down. And I mean, there's like bear and grizzly signs all over the place. I saw the fucking Revenant. I'm worried. Okay. <laughs> like there's going to be a bear attack in me, but the, the, uh, the music would come on and it's possible. I missed the cues for to, to start some event in those areas. Although highly unlikely because of how they're designed and the amount of exploration I did. It just felt like there was some zones where it's like, okay, there's going to be some music start up as you enter these zones. And it was completely jarring and never felt right. So that was pretty much my only complaint about the game was the, the score. Aside from that, wow. I, I mean, I, you've already convinced me to buy it, so I mean... Yeah, I've only been halfway paying attention because I know I'm eventually going to play this game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a lot. It's 20 bucks. 
And honestly, some people complained about it. And this is actually what put the game on my radar initially, is that some people were complaining on Steam, as people are wont to do, about the cost and saying they didn't feel it was worth $20 and went by way too fast. And one of the devs for the company posted this reply and it wasn't a snarky snap back at them. It was a, listen, this is how it works. We spend all our time working on these games and we're passionate about it. And it's a project that we feel strongly about. And we devote so much of our time, our own money, a lot of other things to these games. And then it comes out and you're complaining that $20, which is the equivalent to, and they list a bunch of stuff, which you laugh that these things cost 20 more than this wonderful game. And it's like, you have to appreciate what went into it, which isn't to say that, you know, you, you, the consumer should get ripped off. Not at all, but $20 for a game that takes, this lasted enough hours. I don't know exactly. I didn't count exactly, but it was over the course of a few nights and, to me, well worth the money. Well worth the money. Well, I mean, at the price point of twenty bucks, right? Like, sometimes you get a lot more game from those those little indie titles or the smaller games than you do spending sixty dollars on you know the AAA titles. And from what I've heard from you, and from what I I know, like you may not have put like forty hours into it. That's fine though. At twenty dollars, I'm willing to give it you know time, even if it's a couple hours of gameplay, as long as it's really well done. I'm okay with it. It's same thing with Oxenfree. Oxenfree was great. Like, I think it was a four hour playthrough each time. And I felt like that was justified in the cost. This sounds like it's absolutely justified in the cost. Well, see, I look at, say, the order. And I've, <laughs> I've gushed about various. <laughs> it's still fucking 60 bucks. Exactly. I've gushed about various elements of it that were great and certain elements of the story, which I really liked and wish there had been more. But I paid a lot of money for that game. <laughs> And I justifiably feel ripped off by it. This at 20 bucks, A, at 20, it's good enough, but I'm already looking forward to playing it again, which again, anybody who's listened to the podcast knows I don't tend to do that because I have so many other games to play. I'm looking forward to playing it again, just so that I can make different choices and see how that will affect not just my relationship with Delilah, but also various story elements like some of it is set in stone you're not going to change how this goes but you may change the 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 conclusion of the game in terms of what it means for you and what it means for delilah kind of thing and and seriously every time i made a choice i wondered what scripted lines from the from sissy jones that i was missing out on it was that good that I want to hear all of her lines to see what she had to say at different points. So that's all I'll say on that game. I encourage everyone to play with any luck. I actually had to go on Twitter to say how impressed I am with this woman's uh, voice acting for this game. And we were actually chatting a little bit back and forth. She was saying like they worked on this, the voice acting for this for two years. So, and by the sound of it, she and the actor for Henry were recording together. It sounded like the way she was talking, bouncing things off of each other, which makes perfect sense. And the guy who did Henry as well, his voice acting was great. I mean, not to her level, but it wasn't meant to be because it's just you, you know, whereas her, again, she is 
and it's not just that I'm so impressed with her and the caliber of the writing that she, she worked with, which some is a point that she brought up as well. It's just because that aspect of it is supposed to be insanely important. That voice on the radio is everything to you. And so put it in the hands or the mouth of a good voice actress. It's going to shine. It's going to be unbelievable. And she nails it. Like nailed it, nailed it. It was unbelievable how impressed I was with it. So with any luck, we may actually be able to bring her on the show for an interview as well. She said she'd be open to that. And she's done a ton of other stuff as well. So it would be cool to talk to her. So that's it. Go buy the game. uh, One quick question for you, Raj. Did you find the camera? Yes. Oh, yeah. I took pictures everywhere. See, what's cool about that is it's, you know, it's a shitty little disposable camera given the setting for the game. So you don't have, you know, unlimited shots. And so as a player, you have to pick and choose, you know, which cool vistas and like there's no mechanical impact for the camera in the game. But once you finish the game, there's an option that you can the the developers will print out the pictures and mail them to your house. Oh, that I didn't know. I didn't know you could Uh upload them, but I didn't know you could get them printed. That's awesome. See, what's funny, I mean, you, you have to pay for them, of course. Oh, well, yeah, but still, who cares? that's awesome. That is freaking awesome. I agree. I agree. Yeah. At the end of the game, and I didn't know they would do this at the end of the game when the credits are going, you see the pictures that you took. But because it's a camera that you found, there were already some pictures that were taken. Now, I don't want to spoil anything there. Mm-hmm. But when you finish the game, watch the credits. Watch it play through. Very, very important. But what's funny is that I find this camera and I took a couple of pictures of different vistas because, again, the game is justifiably gorgeous. Very stylish in its approach. Not realistic, stylish, but just gorgeous. And I took some pictures of the fire and different things. But (laughs) there's different points where you're investigating. Again, I don't want to say too much, but you're investigating. I was going all CSI on this shit. I'm taking pictures of (laughs) the scene and whatnot so that if at the end they're going, you're fired, you're getting charged because this is, I'd go, fuck you. I have a camera. Look at the pictures. Okay. This will prove my point. So that's the credits are rolling and it's all the CSI pictures that I took, <laughs> which was really funny. But yeah, ton of good stuff with this game. It's something that I'm looking forward to playing again, even if I were to make the same choices, just to have the experience again and play it through. Cannot recommend it enough. So we actually are going to take just a little bit of time just because Vince hasn't talked a lot. It is a longer episode, but we got a few more rumors, whether it's to believe, to be believed, whether they are accurate or not, regarding the next console from Nintendo. Before you get started, though, Vince, let me ask you this. Taking all of this into consideration, what may or may not be true or whatnot, the fact that you have still not bought a Wii U or anything else, where are you now in terms of that next console and the probability possibility of picking up a Wii I mean it's going to depend on the potential cost of an NX as well as backwards compatibility options like they, there are Wii U games I want to play so and, and, and uh, there's so much that remains to be seen we don't know how compatibility is going to work given the interesting control scheme for the Wii U yeah, yeah. But yeah, for the NX itself, uh, we've been hearing a lot of stuff over the past few weeks, and all of it is to be taken with several grains of salt because none of it's confirmed. Uh, The most uh, 
important of which is supposedly Nintendo is halting production on the Wii U's in Japan, which makes sense. I mean, there's still plenty out there in the distribution so they could carry their current stock for you know who's and who knows how long so that way when the nx finally does launch they have plenty of them so that's just sound business reasoning clearly the wii u is at the end of its life cycle one way or another so you know that is what it is and then we got did you guys see those air quotes controllers that popped up online i looked at that and first thing i went was that better not be real (laughs) No, that can't be real. <laughs> like, even by Nintendo standards, that was a little too weird. <laughs> I didn't but think yeah. it was as weird as the current Wii U controller, to be honest. No, you showed me a Wii U controller, I would have gone, that's Nintendo. That yeah. didn't look like anything Nintendo would make. I thought it was and cooler looking. Dev- <laughs> I was there it is (laughs) so yeah it came out that uh, it was an assortment of hoaxes and whatnot but uh, we got this you know air quotes leak rumor what have you from a developer that supposedly is working on an nx game about what we may or may not be able to expect from the nx now whether it's true or not it's definitely an interesting discussion point because what we're hearing is what a lot of people would want out of a new Nintendo console that is on par with the current competition or, as I said, even slightly more powerful in some regards. So third parties and multi-platform titles will be much more of an option because that was the huge issue with the Wii and the Wii U is they were so far behind the technology curve. It wasn't really worth companies making a Nintendo version of their games. You even take the control scheme out, you know, the classic controllers and whatnot, because it was just such a different platform. Basically, they would have had to engineer a lower quality version of the game, and it wasn't worth what they thought the the potential money they could earn from it. So if the NX comes out to be technologically on par with the PS4 and the Xbox One, that right there is a big step in the right direction from Nintendo and separate from what they've done the last couple cycles. What's what's funny is that it's going to depend on just how much more powerful, because they're saying more powerful than the PS4. It could be mildly more powerful. And we're already getting the, what is sounding more and more like a believable rumor of the 4.5. And some are even saying that it's slated to be coming out even before PlayStation VR. So, They're already bumping up and Microsoft has already talked about the Xbox one. The next one going to be coming out with slightly better hardware as well. So for any of that happens and actually like is an important thing, I might never play console games again. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is again, Nintendo would still be for the next console Mm -hmm. because the Wii U is the one that's hard with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So the yeah, next but technologically, gen- it's more in line with the PS3 it's and still- the Xbox 360. Yeah, but that means that this this NX one would still not be strong enough to be on point with for as year. long with, as the, the PS4 well, that, that 4.5. That all depends on whether or not these new Xbox and PlayStation consoles are actual next-gen and if that's oh, actually going to, yeah, yeah. to matter. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not... It's whether are they going to be replacing the PS4 and the Xbox One, or is it just going to be a different option? Well, it's just going to be a slight improvement. That's not right. I didn't mean that it was going to be the next gen per se. It's just to me, I would think that Nintendo would go out of their way to 
put a lot more power in this, not just marginally more than the PS4, but something that it can hold up to the next console, next consoles or closer to the next development cycle for the next consoles from the other two. Mm -hmm. But I mean, at least for their current business, it's going to be a huge thing. Oh yeah. Better than you. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the talk was about what the actual controller we can expect. And while in a lot of ways, those prototype, you know, leaked false fake controllers were way off base. There were some things that supposedly were on, on the right track, Uh, you know, dual analog sticks, which (laughs) thank you, Nintendo, (laughs) but uh, you know, it's going to have actual D pad, actual face buttons. It seems the form factor is going to be pretty much in line with an Xbox one or DualShock four. So, and then they talked about, you know, it's going to have triggers. Supposedly the shoulder buttons actually are going to be, uh, little wheels which that could be cool like that could work for a lot of things but yeah what we see there is the touch screen for the controller actually is going to be supposedly a thing which would work in a lot of ways for wii u backwards compatibility you can still have the touch screen functionality but just what you can do with having a controller that's also a screen while still having buttons you, know, you have that big center area where you can do all the normal touch screen stuff but being able to move things around the controller you know having icons above or near the actual buttons for you know things that correspond to and being able to as they say potentially remap controls on the fly with that that is some cool technology that without completely changing everything while still being able to function as a, a normal uh, controller does on the other two systems would be something different without completely changing the, the entire form factor like the last couple generations did. I mean, look at, look at the, the success of the Xbox Elite controller, which is an absolutely gorgeous controller. Let me just go ahead and say that. I mean, the fact that you could remap all of the buttons whenever you want at any point in time on your Windows 10 machine or your Xbox is a big thing. And that customizability is great. Seeing Nintendo kind of latch onto that is great because I want everybody to be able to do that. That's something that should be happening from day one, in my opinion. The only thing that I worry about is it being too much of the current controller, which could have been good, but we've seen that it's a waste of space. So if too much of it is like that, then I will be disappointed. Right. If it can come out to be, you know, around the size of a DualShock 4, maybe slightly larger, I think that would be the right the yeah. right way to go. You know, have you ever seen those, uh, those Bluetooth uh, controllers that you slot your smartphone into? Yes. Even something mm-hmm. that size I'd be okay with. Yeah. <laughs> something that you can comfortably hold in your lap. <laughs> You know, not like the old school GameCube keyboard controller, because wow, that thing was fucking huge. Listen, I had a Dreamcast keyboard controller, so let's. <laughs> I had that as well. <laughs> Glass houses and stones here, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, they, they obviously, like I said, none of this is confirmed, and hopefully, we'll find out soon enough. You know, at E three or some somewhere in that vicinity. But it, it if this plays out similar to what we're hearing. I, I think this is going to be a long overdue step in the right direction for Nintendo. It was cool that they did their own quirky thing for a while, but we saw that that can only get them so far. They have to at least be comparable to the other two companies to have that third-party success that they've been so sorely lacking over the past few years. 
One of the things that I was a little disappointed is in the architecture in terms of the, the programming language, which, yeah, they said it's going to be easier for uh, mm-hmm. third-party devs to be programming for it kind of thing, porting their games over. But it's still not the same native programming as the other ones. So that's disappointing because, again, you want to make it as easy as possible for them, which is something Definitely. that Sony did with 4, to make sure that everybody can program for your console. So... Yes, this will be able to port more easily than what's there now. Still, it would be better if they went with the same as everybody else. But yeah, it is I, Nintendo. I, I, I'm not savvy enough in programming for games to know just how much of a difference that is. But yeah, it, it seems kind of silly that they wouldn't follow what's become the industry standard. Well, I I, I would argue that, it, well, not argue, but I would say that, you know, coming off the success of the Wii Maybe no, they're thinking no. Look at how yeah. successful, how many boatloads of these we sold. We're going to we keep can doing sell anything. Our, yeah, we'll do our own thing again. And if you don't like it, screw you. Whoever wants to make money will come and program for us, anyways. But then the Wii U comes out, same deal, and nobody's making games for it. You kind of have to smarten up and think, okay, let's just well, kind of go with the flow here. Let's be honest. Nintendo hasn't exactly been the poster child for uh, falling in line because, I mean, ever since cartridges were a thing, they've been they've had a very strong history of trying to uh, kind of do their own thing and control how that works out. And they're slow to change. There's still some companies that hold that against them. (laughs) I can't blame them. (laughs) So, again, what's funny is that as I was as I've been reading all of these, I keep going back to. Our Wii U, which is barely used, and the our Wii was used for quite a while for, with certain games, but still nowhere near as much as say the PS3 and the the uh, Xbox 360. So I'm looking at the the uh, ideas of the NX, and based on that, I really am hesitant to buy it. It would have to be spectacular and even then i would likely only pick it up down the line when there is proven third-party support because there was supposed Mm -hmm. to be a lot of third-party support for the wii u it just never came to pass yeah the important thing that nintendo is going to have to do is swallow their pride and do what sony and microsoft do and that is pay for exclusives if there aren't any Wii, NX, whatever the hell it's called, exclusives other than what we're expecting, Zelda, Mario, what have you, it it's going to be more of the same. They, they for so many years, you know, they've been, we're Nintendo. People will make stuff for our consoles, but we're seeing that's no longer the case. They're, they're going to have to play the game and cough up the money. So that's going to be beyond hardware. There, there needs to be a shift company strategy wise as well yeah definitely okay that is going to wrap up the show thank you very much for joining us in the audience of course you can find us live on mondays at for the slash live and that is at 7 p.m eastern time you can find us on twitter at for the lore or individually joe is loaders at j vince simodian and myself i am zen buddhist you can also leave us your thoughts and comments on itunes and stitcher and with that we will talk to you guys next week actually even earlier than that <laughs> Shadow run. Son, that guy you fooling with, she ain't no good to you, but that's all right. That's all right. Lou. You. Joe, I'm on, by the way. It's 646. Cut me some slack. I'm a minute late. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, no, because usually I'm logged in like 6.30 and stuff like that, and I'm sitting here like... My God, huh. it's 6.46 and the fucker hasn't called yet. I better let him know. Well, no, I just I didn't see either He's of you guys online on Skype. one thing today. Skype was being weird. I didn't see either of you on, so I was like, you know what? Let's just let Roger know I'm on in case they can't see me. Because it's 6.46. <laughs> Whatever, bro. Slow your, slow your bro. Slow your bro? That's not something people say. That Please tell me that's not something people say. No, it probably that's, is. That's something. a new one for me. Okay. Of course, I'm going to use it all the time now. <laughs> slow your bro. In fact, episode title. Slow your bro. I was one step ahead of you. <laughs> And then I get back to Twitter freaking out about a character's ass in a game. Of course. And I'm like, I really was not made for the internet. I really <laughs> was not made for this. I, I, there's a cabin in the woods somewhere where we could Written all have it. Um, just, just with my books and offline games. And I think I, I think that's where I belong. I think that's where I'm safer. Uh, to my credit, though, I haven't said nothing. I got the same old story them all night peers. There ain't no room around here for a guitar man. We don't need a guitar man, son. So I slept in the hobo jungles. I roamed a thousand miles of track. Till I found myself in Mobile, Alabama. I had a club they called Big Jacks. A little four-piece band was jamming, so I took my guitar and I set in. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.